Welcome to the River Fellowship Podcast. This week, Lead Pastor Daryl Anderson will take us through Psalms chapter 37, verses 1 through 7. In this passage, we will learn that delight dictates desire. We pray for many reasons, but there is one ultimate purpose of prayer. When we keep this purpose at the forefront, we begin to know God's heart and we begin to desire what He desires. To learn more about River Fellowship Church in Amarillo, Texas, please visit rfamarillo.org. We're going to be in Psalm 37 this morning. Look at the first few verses of Psalm 37. Next week is Easter, and we will celebrate the resurrection together. Two weeks from today is Launch Sunday. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited. Uh, just what God's been doing in the last, you know, several weeks is, is really cool. I'm um, just excited to see what God's going to do last Sunday. So keep praying about that uh, and keep spreading the word of what's going on. So, so this morning is really the last opportunity just to speak kind of to, to us as kind of the, the, the core group. Uh, it's kind of the final preparation, if you will, before we, before we do the launch. The last several weeks... I've been talking about some critical components based on our relationship with Christ and in our organizational dynamic of River Fellowship, the corporate identity. I've been walking through some critical components. Uh, we've talked about the necessity to engage the world, that we're to take Christ into the world and we're to reflect Christ in the world, and that we're to love well. Unconditional love is the key, and so we're going to love people well. When they experience love, they're way more receptive to the truth. So we want to love people well. We want to worship God. That's a priority. And that comes from seeing God. And we talked about when you see God, that leads to worship of God, which leads to trusting God, which leads to obedience to God. But it all starts with seeing Him and worshiping Him. We talked about being desperate and a determined people, that we want to have a continued um, pursuit of Jesus Christ. In our relationship with Christ, may we never be satisfied with close enough. All right? Well, I want to give one more critical component this morning, and that's prayer. We've talked a little bit about prayer, you know, off and on. This morning, I want to speak specifically to the main purpose of prayer. What is the main purpose of prayer? Well, let me start with saying what it's not. The main purpose of prayer is not to have my needs met and to go to Him with my needs. Matthew 6, 8 says, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So we already know, so that can't be the main reason that we go to Him. It's also not to get our way, <laughs> to have our will be done. If you remember the story in Matthew 26, 39, Jesus is in the garden, and He's praying, and He says, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So it's not about God doing it my way and, and having my way. It's also not about just fulfilling an obligation, you know, a duty, a ritual, uh, to kind of soothe my conscience, if you will. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to pray, so I'm going to pray, and I can check that off of my discipline list. That's not what prayer is all about. So what is the main purpose of prayer? Well, I'm going to suggest this morning that it's to know God. It's the main reason. It's just to get to know God. Let's look at Psalm 37, verse 1. Do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will do this. 
He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. This psalm is in the context of an Old Testament belief that the wicked suffer and the righteous prosper. And that's just the way they believe. If you're, if you're suffering, it's because you're wicked and you're living in sin. If you're prospering, it's because you're righteous. And we know that's not always the way it goes and the way it is. That's the story behind Job of why he's suffering, but he was righteous. And so all that kind of takes a different context. But that's the context that is being written here in this psalm. And so the Spirit of God has spoken to David, and now David is sharing this psalm. And so he, in that context, he says in verse 1, is a reminder that the pleasures of this world and the pleasures of the wicked are temporary. They're going to fade like grass. So don't become envious. In other words, when you see people who are ungodly, but they're prospering, they're successful, seems like there's no concerns, everything's going their way, it's, and, and you're righteous, and nothing's going your way, seemingly, so you look at the wicked, and you want to become envious of their situation. Or you fret. And that word literally means to burn, but it means to be angry. So you may not become envious of them, but you may become angry at God. Why am I righteous and suffering, and they're ungodly, and they're prospering? So what David is saying is, don't fret and envy that, because their situation is very temporary. Verses 1 and 2, in verse 3, he says, then so, trust in God. You could actually put the word instead at the verse front of verse 3 instead of envying instead of being angry with God instead trust in the Lord even when it looks like things are not going the way you want them to go even when it looks like maybe God's not doing what he said he would do still trust in God as a true source of life and blessing because of that in verse 5 now you can commit your way to the Lord you can trust him you can know that his way is the right way so now I can commit my life and make the decision to live my life according to his plan and design then it gets to verse 7 where he says, delight, excuse me, be still before the Lord and wait patiently. Really what he's saying here is the idea of stillness is the necessary element to everything else we just talked about. In other words, how can I not become envious when I see the wicked prosper? How can I not become angry with God when that happens? It comes from stillness before the Lord. How can I really trust the Lord that he has a good plan for me even when I'm not seeing it right now. It comes from stillness before the Lord. How can I really live my life according to God's plan and design and know that's the right way to live? It comes from this stillness before, that word, before the Lord. The word still means to be silent. But application it means to rest in or to wait in. Not wait for. Being still is not waiting for God to do something for you. Being still is waiting in God even before he does what you want him to do for you. Be still before the Lord. The word before means uh, in the presence of. If you were to say he's, he's being brought before the judge, what you're saying is he's coming in the presence of the judge. That's what this is talking about. Being in the presence of God, wait patiently. In other words, reside for a long period of time without having your feathers get ruffled, without getting irritated, without losing your patience. Be willing to be in the presence of the Lord for an extended period of time, even when you don't see him doing what you think he ought to be doing. That's being still before the Lord. Psalm 46.10 says it this way, be still and know that I am God. You could say be still and know 
I am. You could say, be still and know God. That's what it's talking about, it's to know God. But couched in the middle of those verses is verse 4. And verse 4 is delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. This is the passage on the purpose of prayer. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart. Now, some people will say, see, I told you prayer is all about getting my needs met and getting what I want because it said I can have the desires of my heart. Well, you have to take it in context what the, what's the first part of the verse say. Delight yourself in the Lord. What this verse is telling us is that delight dictates desire. Delight dictates desire. What you delight in will dictate what you desire. So if you delight in the world, you will desire the things of this world. If you delight in yourself, you're going to desire your needs be met and you get your way. But if you delight in the Lord, then your desires are going to become His desires. His desires should said become our desires. We learn what God desires, and that becomes the desires of our heart. So in that context, yes, you can have the desires of your heart because in the transition of being with God and knowing God and delighting in God, now His desires have become your desires, and you desire what God desires, so now He can fulfill your desires. That's what the passage is really talking about. So we could say that the main purpose of prayer is to delight in Him. To me, it's the same, we're saying the same thing. The main purpose of prayer is to know God or to delight in Him. Over the last, oh, two or three weeks, three weeks probably, there's been something in my spirit that has, has just not been right. I, I couldn't put a finger on it. I wasn't involved in, you know, any major sin. But there, there just, something wasn't selling right. Coming to the Word was a struggle. Um, things just weren't clicking. Things weren't connecting. And Tuesday morning, uh, in my devotion time, God made it clear what was going on. And the mistake I had made was in my prayer time and in my prayer focus. Something very subtle but unhealthy had shifted in me. For several weeks, I've been spending just a lot of time praying for River Fellowship, uh, praying for you guys individually as well as, as corporately, um, praying for our city, praying that God's going to do a, a great work, uh, praying for... Uh, insight into what I should preach on, praying for wisdom and all the decisions that had to be made, uh, praying for the ability to complete all these plethora of tasks, you know, that you have to do at a startup. In other words, all of it was spent on praying that God would do X. And I realized that I had stopped delighting in Him. My prayer time had shifted from focusing on Him to focusing what I needed for Him to do. My prayers had become need-based, and I realized I had begun to use God simply as a means to an end <laughs> instead of the end himself. And in my devotion time Tuesday morning, I'm going through my utmost for his highest, and the sentence was this. Think of the last thing you prayed about. Were you devoted to your desire or to God? Was your determination to get some gift of the Spirit for yourself or to get God. When I read that, I became convicted, and the Spirit just awakened me to what had taken place. So I had to confess that. I had to deal with that and come back to the state of this prayer time. It's not about, God, you doing stuff. It's about me knowing you, walking in you, delighting in your presence. And man, when that shift took place, I mean, it just, 
it just changed everything in my spirit and the, the word opening up afresh again. It's all about knowing him and that relationship. I met my wife in, in uh, college. I remember the first time I saw her. I was in a fraternity. We were, we were out uh, rehearsing for an all-school sing. So we're off campus. And we already kind of started. And this girl walks in with a, with a guy. And I hadn't seen her at, to this point at all. So when she walks in, I, I remember thinking, wow. You know, this girl's, I, I've got to get to know her. From the very beginning, I was, I was drawn and attracted to her. Of course, I didn't tell anybody that. And didn't really talk to her, kind of find out this other guy was her boyfriend, so she was already dating somebody. So for that entire semester, I talked to her maybe four or five times, and it was just casual conversation because it's kind of a small school, so you kind of see everybody. So I didn't really spend a lot of time with her, but just talked to her a little bit. Well, that semester, she ended up breaking up with her boyfriend. So the next semester, uh, I think it was like in April, so it was six or seven months later from when I first saw her, um, she, their sorority is going to have a, a dance. And so we had talked a little bit that, that, that semester, still no in-depth conversations, just kind of casual, how's it going, da-da-da-da. Well, she ends up asking me out to the dance. Yeah. And she, hate, she hates it when I tell her that how, when somebody asks, how'd you meet, I always say, well, she asked me out. She doesn't like that. But it's the truth. So, so it's about two weeks. It's about two weeks from the dance. And I'm realizing I've never really spent any time with her. We've talked, you know, just casually off and on as we see each other on campus. So I said, okay, I've got to get to know her. So for two weeks, almost every single night, I went to her, her, her dorm, stay in the lobby, talk on the couch. And for an hour, two hours, sometimes longer, all we would do is sit on that couch and just talk. Just talk and talk. Just talk for, for two weeks. Just got to know one another. And I'm telling you, that was the most incredible period in our relationship it, it laid the foundation the grounding that is still the, the strength of who we are today no agenda other than getting to know one another and being together that was the only agenda and it was transforming in our relationship that's the way it ought to be with God and our time with God in prayer it's all about this relationship where really we have no agenda other than getting to know God and delighting in that relationship. This word delight, it literally means to find your pleasure in, to find your joy in. It says delight in the Lord. In other words, find your ultimate satisfaction in the presence of God. Find your ultimate um, pleasure in spending time with God. It's the concept that I would rather spend time with God than do anything else in this life. That's what the passage is saying. It's all about relationship. It's all in the context of relationship. It's about intimacy in relationship. And what's cool, as you begin to know God in that relationship, you begin to delight in God. To me, knowing God and delighting in God is, is two sides of the same coin. Because as you get to know God, you're going to begin to delight in Him. You can't help it because He's awesome. The more you delight in Him, the more you're going to want to get to know Him. The more you get to know Him, the more you delight in Him, and the more you want to get to know him, because the more, and it just, it's the same thing. You can just say it the same way. It's all about knowing him and delighting in him. Now, the cool thing, when we make prayer the priority of knowing him, as we get to know him, some other things happen at the same time. And one of those is we begin to know God's heart. We begin to understand God's heart. 
talk about Denise again. Fast forward to today, we've been married for 34 years. So I know her really well now. And now I know her heart really well. But way back in the day, when we were first married, I didn't know her heart that well. I didn't know her as well. And so I didn't know her heart as well. So there were some things that she would do that would really irritate me, frustrate me, even anger me at times. Because I didn't understand her heart. I didn't know her well enough. One of those things is that, yeah, I'm treading deeply now, aren't I? She's working with the kids, so she'll never know as long as you guys keep your mouth shut. Um, one of those things is that she was always helping people and giving our money away to people. And we were young. We didn't have a lot of money, but she would, she would especially with kids, they didn't have shoes or jack. What she, she'd buy that stuff. And I'm all for helping people. I love people too, and I want to do that. But it was like she had no restraint. It was like any need, every need, she just... It was just pouring out. And so I would get mad. And I would say, Denise, there's got to be some boundaries here. You know, we've got to have, I'm, I'm setting this money aside for some bills, you know, and that you're giving that to somebody else. And now we can't pay the bill. What's going on? And it would frustrate me and anger me until I got to know her well enough and understand her heart. And that's just her heart. It's full of love and compassion and mercy. And when she sees a need, she just has to do that. And now that I understand that heart, hey, I'll embrace that. Uh, have at it because I, I have a greater understanding because I know her heart and so I know now why she does what she does the second thing is or was uh, was when she would reprimand me guys you know what I'm talking about she would she would address a flaw you know an issue uh, something in me and at times it just it would make me mad I'd rear up you know, you're not perfect either. Let's, let's talk about that. <laughs> don't ever do that, guys, by the way. Young guys, don't do that. Um, but as I got to know her, I began to understand why she would do that. It's because she loves me, and she wants the best for me. She wants to be the best man that I can be. So when she would see some things in me that might hinder that, she wanted to address that. She values our relationship so much that if there's something in there that I'm doing that's that's hindering that relationship. She wants to address that so we have that fellowship and that relationship. So when I understand the heart of why she's doing what she's doing, it changes everything. And, and as we spend time knowing God in prayer, one result is we begin to know his heart and we begin to understand what he's doing, why he's doing it, why he's not doing something. And so when things are not making sense or he's allowing things in our life, that we don't like or he's addressing issues in our life that we don't want addressed we begin to understand why when we know his heart so what's God's heart well Psalm 103 gives us a little bit of insight we could talk about this all day so uh, we can't talk about it in detail but Psalm 103 starting in verse 8 gives us some insight into his heart the Lord is compassionate and gracious he's slow to anger he's abounding in love he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. 
from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with his children's children. God's heart is good. It's one of love and grace and mercy and long-suffering. But here's, here's the catch. If we don't know God very well, we've not taken that time to get to know him, we don't know his heart. And when we don't know his heart, we can become angry and irritated and frustrated with him when he does not do what we want him to do, when there are situations going on in our life that we don't like and that we don't understand. Some of you know my story of, of healing in Odessa very well. Some of you don't know that story at all. So I want to share just a snippet of that with you this morning um, because it ties into trusting God's heart. I moved to, I was living in, uh, Odessa was youth pastor there. And for the first few months, my prayer was, God, use me, glorify yourself, you know, do a good work here, etc. Just wanted to serve the Lord. And a series of just negative things started to, to pile up. It all culminated uh, one day, Tuesday, October 9th, 1990. I'd gone to work that morning and was not feeling really good. Um, but I thought I was hungry, so I went home, I got some, something to eat on the way home, got home, ate some lunch. A few minutes after lunch, just was feeling worse. So I went upstairs, lived in a two-story townhome, went upstairs to lay down, try to go to sleep, and just see if I could sleep it off. Woke up at some point that, uh, that afternoon and was sick, so I, had to, I don't want to be too graphic, but had to go to the restroom and throw up. And the first time, everything was normal. Second time, instead of it coming out, though, it, it, it ruptured and exploded inside of me. It ruptured my esophagus, collapsed my left lung, kind of threw my organs around like a pinball machine, filled my chest cavity with all the contents of my stomach. So they rushed me to the emergency room, and once they really discovered what had taken place, uh, they rushed me into surgery. At that point, I had a 10% chance of survival, statistically. The surgeon told me later, when he opened me up, he said, I gave you zero chance of survival. But he did his job. He operated like he's supposed to. Well, the first hurdle, obviously, was to survive and to live. Obviously, I have done that. So after several days, when they realized, okay, he's going to make it, he's going to survive, that's hurdle one. The second hurdle was infection and organ damage. They felt like I was going to have extended heart damage or lung damage, kidney damage because of all the content and the poison that had filled my chest cavity. <clears throat> so that, that was the game for several months to kind of, kind of watch me. But praise the Lord, no, no organ damage whatsoever. God healed me from all of that as well. The third hurdle was emotionally. They said he will go into a deep depression. He will have anxiety. He will have fear. That's just part of trauma like this. So you need to watch for that, and you need to be prepared to, you know, to help him through that. So the good thing for that is, you know, I was at home with Denise, and those of you that know Denise, I mean, we just talked all the time and all the time, so it was free therapy, you know, for three or four months. So I was able to kind of walk through all that. But later on, several weeks after that, I began to experience two things. One was fear. I started thinking, what is, is this going to happen again? Next time I throw up, am I going to go through this again? Um, because of some organ damage, am I going to have long-term damage? Um, I, I couldn't even speak because my diaphragm had been affected. Uh, I was praying. I had two young boys and a wife. God, are you going to take all this stuff, just fear? The second was, um, was just anger with God. Here I am wanting to 
to serve you and to follow you and glorify you. And, you know, here's what's going on. I didn't understand, so I just became angry. And I can remember, I couldn't, for there was a period of time, I couldn't pray. Uh, outside, we'd had this little sidewalk area. And so I would walk there to get some of my exercise because I was really weak and frail. And I was kind of like a 90-year-old man, just kind of, you're kind of doing this, trying to get around. I had on house shoes and pajamas most of the time. So people didn't know what was going on. So there's, there's a weird dude right there. <laughs> so, um, but I can remember when I walked and I would try to pray. And I couldn't pray. All I could say is, why? 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 That's all I could say. That was all that would come out of, out of my mouth and out of my heart. So that lasted for several weeks. Well, finally, it was, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight weeks, I was able to go back to work just for a few hours. Couldn't drive yet, so Denise would drive me to work and let me work two or three hours and come back and get me. Did that for a few weeks. Finally, uh, when I was able to, to, to drive myself to work for the first time, I'm driving down the street, and I'm listening to Christian radio, and a song comes on from Wayne Watson and Sandy Patty. That's a throwback for all you old-timers, Okay. <laughs> And the song is entitled, Trust His Heart. And the words, the chorus of the words, this. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you can't see his plan, when you don't understand, and when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. When that song came on, I listened to that. I began to weep. I had to actually pull off the side of the road. And stopped on the side of the road and just wept as I listened to that song. And it was as if God's sitting in that passenger side just face to face. And it's as if he was speaking an audible word to me. He said, trust me. Trust me. Trust my heart. I know you don't understand what's going on. Trust me. Now, he wasn't there visibly. But he was more real than if he were. It wasn't an audible voice, but it was more clear and more profound than any audible word I've ever heard. And I responded back to him, okay. Okay. I'll trust you. As soon as I said that, all the fear left. All the anxiety left. All the anger left and I never had to ask why again it didn't matter I still don't know why but it doesn't matter because I understood his heart and what he was going to do in the midst of it and the exciting part of the story is all the prayer earlier about God use me and glorify yourself etc all that happened through this I don't have time to tell you all that stuff but he used all that and, and answered all those prayers through that here's the point when the focus of our prayers, when the purpose of our prayers is our need or our desire or our blessing or our rescue from some situation and it doesn't happen when we want it to happen or how we want it to happen, then we, become, we can become angry and frustrated. But when the focus of our prayer is no longer our need, but the purpose of our prayer is relationship with God. It's to know God. When that takes place, we begin to know his heart. And when we understand his heart, we will be willing to walk through whatever he allows. 
because we know he has a purpose. We know of his love and compassion, so we're able to receive that. And that's why, you go back to verse 1, that's why David is able to say, do not fret because of evil men. Don't worry about that. You can trust me. That's why he says in verse 3, trust in the Lord. Even when it doesn't look like you should, you can. Because you understand the heart. But one other thing that he'll reveal to you is not just his heart, but his will. As you get to know God, you also begin to understand and know what God's will is. One more story about Denise. Sorry. Now that we've been married 34 years, I do know pretty much what is okay to do and what is not okay to do. <laughs> what she would approve of, what she disapproves of. Some things she disapproves of, obviously, she, she said, don't ever lie to me. She said, I don't care how ugly the truth is, how bad the truth is, how messy the truth is. Tell me the truth. We'll work with it. Don't lie to me. Don't see other women. Don't flirt with other women. She's told me what she's going to do if I do that, and I'm terrified. Because <laughs> it's bad, and she'll do it. <laughs> she said, don't just go wander off for days and not tell me what you're doing and where you are. Don't do that. A couple of others. But that's all. There's a plethora of stuff, which is fine. In other words, in this relationship with Denise, of what I can do, there's way more freedom than there is restriction. There are a few things don't do. But there is just an eternity of freedom in that relationship. And the same is true with God. We want to know a lot what is God's will. There are a few things that God has said don't do. It's very clear in Scripture. But there's an eternity of things that are fine. In other words, in our walk and relationship with God, there's way more freedom than there is restriction. And as we begin to know God, we begin to understand that. Because we, we know His heart. We know what He desires. He's speaking that into us. And He makes it very clear to us, here are some things, Daryl, in my relationship with you, you can't do because it's going to hinder our relationship. So don't do those things. But there is so much more freedom in the context of that. But what's interesting in the context of that is when you know that and you, you're, you're walking with God in his heart, you begin to desire what God desires. In other words, the, the resistance to his will begins to weaken. You don't want to live opposite his will as much because your hearts and your desires have begun to intertwine. In other words, with Denise, I don't want to lie to her. It's not because I'm going to make her mad. It's because I don't want to hinder that relationship. I don't want to flirt with other women or see other women. It's not because she's going to do bad stuff to me. It's because I don't want to hurt that relationship and hurt her heart. And the same begins to develop in that relationship with God. What takes place when our desire is to know him is our desires become what he desires. And so we're not doing things out of some legalistic obligation. 
we're not doing something out of fear of retribution of what God may do if I don't do this. We're doing it because that's what I desire to do. My heart's desire is to please Him, is to honor Him, is to walk in holiness and relationship with Him. So my desires completely change. So I'll say all that to say the main purpose of prayer, it's not the only purpose, but the main purpose of prayer, the main focus of prayer is to know God. As you know God, you're going to delight in God. And as you delight in God and know God, you're going to begin to know His heart and know His will. And so you're able to walk even in the midst of difficult days. Even when it looks like the wicked are prospering and the righteous are suffering. You can walk through that because you understand God's heart. So here are the takeaways. I'm done. Our prayers, may they never be self-centered may they always be god-centered may they never be need-based may they be relationship-based may our focus be to seek his face not his hand and when we pray may it be for one main purpose god i just want to know you i want to delight in you and take my satisfaction from being in your presence thanks for listening We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To hear more sermons or for more information about River Fellowship Church, please visit rfamarello.org. Thanks. Have a great week.